What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for our Week 11 Picks of the Week show is my coach, Charlie. And guys, after the bloodbath that was our picks two weeks ago, we came back pretty strong last week with a collective 28-2 and two straight up. And Charlie, who has been on a hot streak over the past couple weeks, really gaining ground, well, she went out and put together the very first 10-0 straight up week of the season. So Charlie, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm also kind of like upset about this because I had my sights set on being the first to post a 10-0 week on this season. But look, I got to give credit where credit's due. So big time congratulations on that. Thank you. I was much more com- confident in my picks last week than I will be this week. Like, How good does that feel? Like, do you feel like you're better than us now that you went 10-0 before anyone else? Absolutely not. Oh, come on. I, I see it in your eye. Yes, you do. Yes, well, you do. It'll. I'll have horrible picks this week. So It's kind of how it works, it right? it last, and then it'll just go downhill. That's been the story of the season. One good week, followed by a terrible week, followed by another good week. It's just gone, kind of gone back and forth. But with that 10-0 week, Charlie, like, she's rapidly gaining ground here. She also went 8-2 and two against the spread, which brought her to over 500 against the spread for the very first time of the year. Charlie, I know... You hate picking against the spread. You make that very clear. You do not like that. So what what are you more proud of? I'm curious. What are you more proud of being the first to go 10 and 0 straight up in a single week or are you more proud that you've pulled your against the spread picks into the black? I'm in the black. You are in the black. Are you more I'm proud about black. that? I am proud about that. I know you hate against the spread. Like you if you had your way we would not pick against the spread. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I know. I, I know. So with her stellar week, Charlie's running season total is now 70 and 34 straight up and 53 and 51 against the spread in the black. Our guest picker Benjamin did a great job last week, especially considering the fact I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but he told us after the show, he was actually recording from his car with no notes or anything to work off of. So pretty great job considering that. He went nine and one straight up and five and five against the spread to bring our guest host totals to 75 and 29 straight up. Great job, guys. Seriously, great job there. And 54 and 50 against the spread, which means that Charlie is now actually only a game back from our guest host against the spread. You come a long way, Charlie. Gotta give it to you again. Uh, I told you guys I had my sights set on a bounce back week after what was by far my worst week of the season two weeks ago. I had to redeem myself, give it my best shot, and I feel pretty good about how things went last week. I went 9-1 straight up and 8-2 and two against the spread, one of my better weeks on the year. Not quite as good of a week as Charlie, but I'm still feeling pretty good about it. And uh, my running season totals now sit at 73-32 and 32 straight up and 60-44 and 44 against the spread. So after 10 weeks, our guest hosts are leading me by two games straight up. Got to catch up there. And, uh, but on the other hand, I'm leading our guest host by six games against the spread, and Charlie is only one game behind them. And we still, like, we got time. We got five weeks left in the, se- in the regular season. Well, four weeks in the regular season plus championship week. We'll pick some games that week as well. So plenty of time for some moves to be made. And joining us as our guest host this week is a guy that I am really excited to bring on. He's a guy that has been a very active supporter of the podcast for a long time. Uh, actually, when we were still on SoundCloud, he was the one guy that would always like and share every single episode. So we we really appreciate everything he's done for for our show and how, how he supported us over the years. So we're very, very excited to welcome in Mr. Zach Wellborn. Zach, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on. Oh, uh, you're too kind, man. It's, there's no honor here. We're, we're, we're very, very Glad to have you on here. Again, like we really appreciate everything you've done to support us over the years, my friend. But uh, I, I know at least like we've interacted a little bit on social media and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I know you at least a little bit. But tell us a little bit more about yourself, Zach. 
Um, well, um, I'm in a, I live in a place called Habersham County, Georgia. It's like, I think it's like 40, 50 miles from Athens, north of it. And, um, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I, uh, I found your, uh, I found your podcast probably when I was about 15. And, uh, I just like fell in love with it because I've absolutely loved Georgia football. I've absolutely loved Georgia football. So it's probably about, I guess, 12 years old when I really fell in love with it. Um, I, uh, I think 2012 season is the really, the first season I really remember watching football with my dad and my brother because we're all Georgia fans. Um, and so it's no coincidence my favorite player is Todd Gurley. Always has been. And um, Dude, I, I still say to this day the best player I've ever seen with my own two eyes. I still say it as a college player. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no doubt. When I heard you say that, I was so happy because that's just like me. When I, um, I remember that very first game at Buffalo when he returned that kick 100 yards. I was oh, down yeah. there for the base watching it. I was like, man, this guy is amazing. Then he had like another 55-yard touchdown um, later in that game. And um, But, yeah, still my favorite player that we've ever had. But, anyway, um, Habersham County, we're not, like, great at football, but the one thing we do have is that um, Tavares King played at my high school I went to. So Is that right? Was that Habersham Central? Yeah, Habersham Central High School. There you go, TK. Man, I, I used to love – I still do love TK, man. He was a great player for us. Underrated yeah, player. He, yeah, he made some pretty big catches. Um Especially his senior year. I mean, he was there like six, five years. He was there when like uh, AJ came in, and um, but yeah, he uh, he he's a great guy, and but yeah, he was really good here, and he's obviously our one claim to fame here in Habersham. Uh, that's a great claim to fame because I, I mean, he was a really good player. For, I mean, he was a great compliment to AJ. But without AJ, he definitely could have been our number one guy. There's no doubt there. He had more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. I think he's been there as recently as last year, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He um he called. I think he called the touchdown passes in the NFL. For the Giants, yeah. like two years ago in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, he's he's a really good player and a really good guy. He still comes around to the games at Habersham now. So that's cool, man. That's that's really cool to hear. Love to hear that. He's a great dog, DGD for sure. But uh, all right, man, so that's awesome to hear. Very cool. So you are definitely the youngest guy we've had in the show. You're making me feel very old. Yeah, I just had a birth- I just had a birthday last week, so uh, I'm not feeling great about my age. Look in the mirror every day. I'm like, God, I used to be young and cool and hip, and not anymore. So. You're gonna have to hold it, hold it down for us. Hold on the floor for us, my man. Yeah, I um, yeah, I was born in 2000, so I was never. Oh, oh. Not allowed to say that. I feel old. <laughs> yeah. I work with people who were born in the 90s, so definitely just stop. So, there. Zach, do you know what Y2K <laughs> means? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Because <laughs> that was a thing in 1999. But uh, oh, oh that's sad. all right. Well, we're really glad to have you, buddy. You ready to go ahead and make some picks? I uh, yeah, I sure am. All right, let's do this. All right, Charlie, I'm going to let you go ahead and take it from here. All right, like always, we will kick things off with our SEC picks before moving around the country to other big games in the greater world of college football. We are going to start with crybaby Dan Mullen and his Florida Gators, who are hosting the hapless Vanderbilt Commodores. The Gators are favored by 26 points in the Swamp a week after their disappointing loss at the hands of our Georgia Ha-ha, sucks for them. Yes, well, I'm going to to pick Florida to win – but I am going to pick Vandy to cover. I just feel like 26 points is a lot. Zach, what's your pick? Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Charlie. I think um, I think uh, Florida will win, but I do expect Vandy to cover because I just think that – I mean, I just don't – I mean, personally, I don't really like Dan Mullen, but it's not just that. I think that a team plays like their head coach, um, his personality is, and I think they play on emotion, and I just think they're going to come out. Just like last year, they lost to Missouri um, right after they lost – uh, um, I don't expect them to lose, but I really like Derek Mason as a head coach, and I think I think Vanderbilt is going to with Keyshawn Vaughn. I think they're going to uh, surprise Florida. 
All right, Tyler? Yeah, Zach, I totally agree with you. I think that team, the way they play, and the way they kind of just comport themselves, they are a spitting image of their coach. The way they talk trash. I mean, you didn't hear our guys all offseason long. Our guys didn't say a word while they were just yapping their gums all offseason long. And that's that's a direct reflection of, of their head coach. So great call there. I totally agree with you. Um, I might see this game a little bit differently than you guys, though. So Vanderbilt, you guys know, I've said for a couple weeks now, I am never picking them to win or cover the spread again. They burned me once. So you're going to stick to it. I'm sticking to it. I, I, I am a man of my word. Uh, and look, I, I am the idiot who very painfully set through the entire South Carolina Vanderbilt game last week. Or not actually at the game, but I recorded it because I, I put money on it. That's why I set through and, and watched the whole thing Sunday morning. And it was very painful because Vanderbilt is terrible on offense. But it got pretty bad for them because – now their their top two quarterbacks are out. They're on their third string guy, Deuce Wallace. Uh, he was very bad in relief of Riley Neal last week. Mohassan still out with a with a concussion. So him and Riley Neal both out this game. So it's Deuce Wallace, and that's it for them. I don't know what happens if he gets there. You might see Keyshawn Vaughn playing Wildcat quarterback. But he went eight of 17 for 30 yards passing against South Carolina last week. No touchdowns, two picks. And guys, the Florida defense, like they're better than South Carolina. They are. And that's a pissed off. It's an angry Florida defense after what uh, went down last week in Jacksonville. I mean, the Vanderbilt offense, they're just bad. They're they're dead last in total offense, rushing offense, scoring offense, third down conversions, and sacks allowed. Dead last in the league in all those categories. And the, But the last one is the one that stands out to me. You know, we talked about our game against Florida last week, coming into that game, how Florida, yeah, they've, they've done a great job rushing the pass through their tops in the league in that in that regard. But our offensive line was also number one in sacks allowed. What's the opposite for, for Vanderbilt? Florida is still number one in the league in, in total sacks, and Vanderbilt is last in the league in sacks allowed. And they have a very inexperienced quarterback back there this week who's not going to know what's going on. He's not going to be able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He's not going to be able to find his checkdowns. So I, I just don't know how Vanderbilt – is going to be able to do anything against this Florida defense. I'll, I'll say this. Vanderbilt's not winning this game. That is not happening. And with Deuce Wallace, the quarterback, I'm just – I'm really not sure that they score more than three points. Like, I'm really not sure. Maybe, possibly, if Florida turns the ball over. I just don't know how Vanderbilt's going to score enough points to, to cover. I don't think Florida's going to put up a ton of points either, necessarily. But uh, I just – Vanderbilt's just so bad. So I'm going to go Florida to win. And uh, give me the Gators to cover as well. But I'm, I I really hope you guys are right. Like, I honestly hope I'm wrong here. I'd love to see 40 have to sweat this one out. All right. Yeah. Va- next- oh, go ahead, Zach. Oh, uh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, Vanderbilt needs to uh, just get in third and long. That seemed to work for And I obviously don't have Jake Fromm, but they seem to probably yeah, stick that You're right. Getting third and long against Grantham, you're in good shape, right? All <laughs> right. You're exactly right. All right. Our next game may not register on the national radar, but it's still a game – for the respective programs involved, as the Tennessee Volunteers are traveling. Wait, wait, it's the- a it's a game for the respective programs involved. It's a game, is it? <laughs> a big game. Oh, big game! I didn't hear the big. I'm You're just, not I'm messing listening. With you. I'm, okay, oh, I have bad listening gosh. skills. This is what I deal with on a daily basis when we're trying to record. <laughs> involved as the Tennessee Volunteers are traveling to the Bluegrass State to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. This game has serious bowl and game implications for both teams as the Vols are sitting at four wins with three games to play. And the Cats are in a slightly better position with four wins with four to play. Tennessee was favored early in the week, but the line has moved to a pick on my bookie. I'm going to go with Tennessee to win this one. Zach, who are you picking? Uh, yeah, I'm, af- I'm also going with Tennessee to win this one. Um, I think uh, I think, I think you got to give Jeremy credit. I think they've looked better after the beginning of the year. Obviously, they looked terrible at Georgia State. And, um, and uh, you got to give him credit. And I don't really think he is uh, the long-term – answer for Tennessee just because I think he's not he don't have like the just the 
personal qualities that Kirby does. Like with, I think he's a good coach, but just he's not. I think he's pretty blunt, not as good with people. Like, um, so I. But he's done a pretty good job at Kentucky. Well, I like Mark Stoops. I think just they their quarterback situation. They, I mean, they just can't really have no threat of throwing the ball. Um, and I just don't. I think if you if you're very one dimensional in this league, no matter who it's against, I, I think they're uh, going to lose to Tennessee, who I think kind of has a little bit of momentum after last week. All right, Tyler. Yeah, man. I you guys might be right on this one. I really, I just don't know about this one. I, I, this is a quintessential pick'em game to me. I see why it's picking game because I just I don't know. Uh, Tennessee, they are. They're playing much better right now. They've won three of their last four. And in that one loss at Bama, they played pretty tough against the Tide in Tuscaloosa. We're, in, we're a road play from Jer- Jared Guarantano away from pulling within one score with about eight minutes to go in that game. So they've definitely been playing a lot better. But on the other hand, Kentucky's also kind of starting to figure this quarterback thing out with Lynn Bowden. Now he's got a couple games under his belt. Uh, they're averaging 263 yards a game rushing with Lynn Bowden at quarterback. But I still don't trust it. I'm with you, Zach. Like, I, I watch this team play, and you're like, you, you can't consistently win when you're that one-dimensional. Because if, you if you're good enough defensively to stop that one dimension, they have no answer. So if, if Tennessee can find a way to slow him down, then Kentucky's not going to win. But I said the same thing when they played Missouri a couple weeks ago. I thought Missouri would win that game easily because I thought they'd be able to slow down Lynn Bowden. But he went wild and ran for over 200. Uh, it's just it really comes down to can you stop them? And I don't know if Tennessee's going to be able to do that. Maybe. Uh, the Cats are coming off of a bye week, and this game is in Lexington at night, which can be a very underrated crowd. It can be. I mean, I know they're a basketball school, but they, they can get going in that in Kroger Field if, if things are going pretty well for them. And this is a rivalry game for them, so I, I have a feeling it's going to be a, a pumped-up crowd at night. I've, and I have a sneaking suspicion that Kentucky's going to come out after the bye week with some new wrinkles to this offense, some things that Tennessee hasn't seen before. In Kentucky, they've also been playing really well defensively. They've only given up 315 yards a game on defense over the last four. And while Tennessee has been playing better, they still haven't been doing all that much offensive. They've been doing just enough. They've really been proved defensively. And I know Tennessee wants to make a bowl, and they're certainly motivated by that. But on the other hand, Kentucky, they really relish any chance they get to beat Tennessee because it just doesn't happen very often. I went back and looked it up. It's crazy. Uh, Tennessee went on a 26-game win streak all the way up until 2011, and Kentucky's only beaten Tennessee twice since 1984. 19, so basically two times in my lifetime, they've beaten, they've beaten Tennessee. So it doesn't happen very often. And this is a year where like Tennessee's still vulnerable. Tennessee actually knocked Kentucky off last year in Knoxville when, when Kentucky had like the best year in, in however long. So you know they want to get them in, in this game. This, again, is the, the epitome of a pick'em game, but – I think I'm going to lean Kentucky with the tricks they may have up their sleeve with, with Lynn Bowden coming off of the bye week. I am I have absolutely no confidence in this one whatsoever. I would totally stay away from this one on the betting lines. But, um, yeah, give me Kentucky. I think Lynn Bowden's just – he might be the difference maker in this one. All right. Next up, we have another game that the general population probably isn't very interested in, but the outcome could have some serious implications for Will Muschamp's future as a loss to the Mountaineers could cost him his job and a win for Appalachian State could catapult them back into the conversation as the group of five representative for the New Year's Six Bowls. So I'm going to pick USC to win and cover, or USC East as we yeah, call it. Yeah, I was going to say USC in California. Know. That's not USC. Sorry, South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Zach, who are you going to pick? Um, I think I'm going to pick um, South Carolina uh, to win and also to cover because I, I just I think they're going to play good for uh, 
Will Muschamp, um, and well, App State's coming off a loss anyway. You know they were undefeated and they're coming off a loss towards Southern. And I think um, so. I I think App State's going to come out and play good, but I think South Carolina ends going to win and cover late. All right, Tyler. Yeah, this is this is another one that's kind of tough for me because statistically, Appalachian State like they're pretty good. They're plus nine hundred uh, with their total yards differential, plus nineteen points per game on the year. They've already beaten North Carolina and Chapel Hill, uh, who, by the way, beat South Carolina in week one. I know the transitive property of equality doesn't always apply in the world of college football, but it's at least something. And I actually watched a good portion of that game against North Carolina. You might be asking why, because I had money on that game and uh, I had it on North Carolina and they lost. They, they, they kind of screwed me there, but it's okay. Appalachian State, they're a good team. I haven't seen them play that much this year outside of that North Carolina game. So it's really hard for me to speak on them like with any sort of authority. But I, I still believe that South Carolina has the better overall talent, and this game is in Columbia at night. I've been to games in Columbia at night, and it is a very tough environment. Uh, I do not like South Carolina, but I, and I don't like their fan base at all, but I had to give them credit. They have a, a really solid home field advantage when they're all there and they're all motivated. And I think Appalachian State, I know it's weird to say that they're going to be motivated to play Appalachian State, but this team has been ranked for most of the year. Uh, and I'm not sure that Appalachian State has anyone to handle Brian Edwards at wide receiver. And the Gamecocks are running the ball better. They've gone over 200 yards rushing in three of the last five games. I, this is another one that I don't feel like overly confident in, but I still think, again, South Carolina has the overall better roster at home at night. So I will take the Gamecocks to win and cover. And before we get on to our next game, I do want to remind you guys about our friends at Vivid Seats. If you guys are looking for tickets the rest of the way this season, Vivid Seats has you guys covered. I actually just picked up a pair earlier this week for the Auburn game. Next week, it was a quick, easy process. Found exactly the seats I was looking for, exactly the price point I was looking to pay. And it was completely a no-hassle process. I kind of had my eyes on it for a couple of weeks. And then I finally saw what I was looking for. And boom, boom pulled the trigger, and I could not be happier that I made that decision. And it's actually even better than that. If you go to the Apple Store or Google Play right now and download the Vivid Seats app, they're going to automatically enroll all fans in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program where you can actually earn credit back for your purchases. And every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee so you can buy with complete confidence, with no stress whatsoever. And when it is time to buy, when you're ready to pull that trigger, just simply enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So we made you wait a few minutes, but the next game on the list is the big game that everyone has been talking about for a couple of weeks now, as the LSU Bengal Tigers are traveling to Tuscaloosa to try to unseat Alabama on the SEC West throne. The Tide are the six-and-a-half-point home favorite in this matchup between the number two and number three ranked teams in the initial college football playoff ranking. I am not confident in any of my picks this week, and I am definitely not confident yeah, this This is one. a tough week. It, I just don't even know. I'm at, it, It's a coin flip, in my opinion. You know, who knows if Tua's playing, how much he's going to play, if he's 100%, if he's 85%, who, who knows? So it comes down to Tua for you, like how healthy he is? It's just you could talk about it all day long. They, they, there is very little separation between these teams. Even statistically, there's very little separation. All right. So I'm going to go with Bama to win, but LSU covers. You know, it's definitely not going to be a nine to six type of game. Probably not this point year. scored. Yeah. I don't know. It's a toss up. Zach, what's your pick? Um, I'm going to LSU to win this game. It's a tough one, but two, I just to say it helps. It seems like even if he, I, mean, I do think he's going to play, um, I think it'll be a high scoring game. Yeah, not, not, not like, I really like Joe Burrow. He's just got that moxie. I think, I think right now, 
um, LSU to me this year has looked like the better team. They played a tougher schedule. So I'm going to go on a limb. All right, I like it. Tyler? I like you going on a limb there, my man. Absolutely. Uh, This is another one I'm kind of with Charlie here. I I just don't know about another one because I just don't see much separation between the two teams. I mean, you look at these two teams, statistically, they're both number one and two in total offense, passing offense, scoring offense. Joe Burrow and Tua Tungabailoa are number one, number two, respectively, in passing yards, completion percentage, yards per attempt, and touchdowns in the SEC. Both teams are very talented. We know that. And I think both offenses have a chance to exploit some deficiencies in the opposing defense. You know, look, look at LSU's defense. I think that star position is is a is a weakness from Kari Vincent. Is he's he's a good solid player. But kind of like us, that is an area where you can certainly attack them in the passing game. You look at Alabama's def- uh, their defense, that middle of the defense with a, with a freshman nose guard, two freshman inside linebackers, that is an area where LSU could potentially attack, although they haven't been necessarily a dominant rushing team. That's a deficiency for Alabama right now. Both offenses are elite units ranked in the top 10 nationally. LSU's been a little bit more tested with the schedule and the teams that they have played to this point, and they're actually averaging about 30 yards more a game offensively. And the narrative has actually been, Charlie, you and I were talking about this earlier in the week, the narrative nationally has kind of been that both defenses have taken a step back. And when I watch them, I see that too. They just don't seem like they're playing as well as they have in years past. But when you look at it statistically, it's not necessarily the case. Both LSU and Bama are inside the top 20 in yards per play allowed, and they're both in the top 25 in total defense. Bama's actually eight yards better than LSU in total defense right now. But both teams, you look at where they were last year, they're right about where they were at the conclusion of the 2018 season. Bama's actually a little bit better defensive than they were statistically. And LSU's not far off from a statistical standpoint. They're actually ahead of where they ended up last year in yards per play. So it's weird. Like you watch them play and you're like, they just don't look as dominant defensively as they have in years past. But statistically, they're still kind of right where they they typically are. So when I think a game like this is is this evenly matched, what I usually tend to do is look at turnover margin because that can decide games like this. But when you look at turnover margin, well, huh, not much separation there as both teams are ranked number one and number two in the league in turnover margin. Bama's been a little bit better at forcing turnovers. They've got 18 turnovers that they forced to, to LSU's 12, but they've both done a really great job of protecting the football. So the turnover margin doesn't really give you that much insight to this game. So I guess now I'm left with location where the game's played and just the injury situation like Charlie mentioned. And the location obviously favors Bama, but it's not at night. So probably like it's going to be wild, but not as wild as it otherwise would be. They won't have their whole LED situation going on. But for me, the injury to Tua outweighs the home field advantage that Bama has in this game. I have no doubt that Tua is going to play. He's going to play. But I'm just not sure he's going to be much more than 75% after suffering that high ankle sprain just three short weeks ago. I and mean, guys, if you ever had a high ankle sprain, you just, you don't get back to hundred percent in three weeks, especially when you have to practice throughout the week. You just don't, you don't get there. And this one was, this injury was severe enough for them to put him under the knife. So I, again, if it's that bad, you know, even with the, the tight rope procedure on his ankle, I just, I have a hard time believing he's going to be anywhere close to hundred percent in this game. Uh, he's still going to be good. He's still throw. He'll probably still throw for a lot of yards, but there's going to be limitations with what he can do in the pocket and also trying to scramble out of uh, out of bad situations. So LSU, I imagine, will try to harass him and see if he can move at all. And Bama's going to counter that with a quick RPO game, try to get the ball into his hands quickly. But the Tigers are going to try to put pressure on that ankle. I think they're probably going to have some success doing that. Ultimately, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. But when the margin seems to be this thin between these two teams everywhere else, I'm going to go with a team that I think is healthier at the most important position. I also have a sneaking suspicion that Coach O is just going to – like I can't 
explain it. I really can't. But I have the suspicion that he's just going to have this team ready to play with his hair on fire, and they're going to come out on a mission. So I'm going to stick with my preseason pick of LSU to win the SEC West, which means they got to take down the Tide Tuscaloosa this weekend. Give me the Tigers. Moving out of the SEC, our next game is in the Great White North as Minnesota is playing host to Penn State in what is probably the biggest game in the past 20-plus years for this Minnesota football program. Both teams are undefeated, but Penn State is the six-and-a-half-point road favorite. I'm going to go with the upset here. Minnesota wins. Zach, what's your pick? All right. Um, I think I'm going to go with um, – since it is at Minnesota, um, I think I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Penn State to uh, win. I'm going to go with but them not to cover because I think uh, – I haven't got to see really Minnesota play this year. I know uh, they've been a really good team. I was undefeated, but I think uh, – I'm going to go with Penn State. They have, they have really good defense, and um, and I've always liked Penn State. I think James Franklin's a good coach. So give me uh, Penn State to uh, win but not to cover. All right, Tyler? Yeah, this is another interesting game. This it, You wouldn't think so based on the national conversation and the fact that Penn State is ranked in the top four in the college football playoff right now while Minnesota is sitting at number 17 with the same exact undefeated record in the same exact conference as Penn State. But statistically, the Gophers – are right there with Penn State. Like if you look at a couple, just a couple quick stats here, Minnesota, they're averaging 429 yards a game on offense. Penn State's averaging 422 yards a game. Minnesota's only given up 283 yards a game. Uh, Penn State's been a little bit better, but just by a hair, they're, they're going to have 280 yards a game. Minnesota on the year right now is plus 1,160 yards in their total yards differential, while Penn State is plus 1,130 yards. So statistically, very similar profiles. The difference is Penn State has wins over Iowa and Michigan. Well, on the other hand, Minnesota, to start the season, beat South Dakota State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern by an average of four points. So that's that's kind of the difference here. And they, but, but since then, Minnesota's been rolling. They have won their five Big Ten games by an average of 27 points. This is a good team. And I'm with you, Zach. I haven't seen them play a ton. I've, I saw them, I've seen them play about two different halves of football. That's all I've seen from them. And I, but I was impressed with what I saw. And they run the football really well, kind of a, a, a throwback team. Uh, Terry Morgan, though, is quietly having a pretty good year for Minnesota at quarterback. Rodney Smith is third in the league in rushing, averaging over 111 yards a game. They have two really good wide receivers, two guys that nobody talks about nationally, but when I watch them play, like they flash. And they're both top five in receiving in the Big Ten. you got Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman, two weapons out wide. So you can't really double both of them because they can both make plays. In Penn State, like what concerns me about Penn State is they are so pedestrian on offense with a, with a freshman quarterback in Sean Clifford. They're only averaging 298 yards a game over their last three. And sure, those are against good defenses, but – they just have been anemic at times on offense. They really are very reliant on big plays. They hit some big plays, but they're just not consistently moving the, the ball up and down the field. And this is such a huge game for Minnesota. I, I've seen that play out both ways. I've seen it play out where it kind of lifts the team to a victory, but I've also seen it play against them where they're just not quite ready for prime time. They get too overhyped, and they just kind of fall flat on their face. I mean, we saw our, our own team do that. Was it 2015 against Alabama at home? We weren't ready for that then, and we all got hyped for it, and then the rain came, and it just yeah, – it, 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 yeah, it wasn't pretty. So <laughs> we've seen yeah. that personally. So I don't know which way to lean here on that. But, um, Penn State has been more battle-tested. They've been the more reliable program over the years, no doubt about that. But I still – I come back to – I have made, like I've watched a good bit of Penn State. And I, I watched them blow out 
uh, Maryland, but Maryland has fallen off the face of the earth. They're not very good. And every other game I've watched them play, like they have struggled tremendously to consistently move the football. So I have major questions about their offense. And the Minnesota defense is good. Like that's a good Minnesota defense. So at the end of the day, I think Minnesota is ready for this. And I'm gonna go on a limb here. I'm gonna go with what Charlie. I thought I might have one have a difference with you guys here, but Charlie's pulled a fast one on me. I'm gonna go with Minnesota to pull the outright home upset. It's gonna be a close one, but I'm gonna go with the Gophers to get it done. All right. Staying in Big Ten country for one more game. The Wisconsin Badgers are playing host to division rival Iowa this week and are favored by nine and a hook at home in Camp Randall. Quite a big number in a game featuring two teams that have a lot in common. Uh, Number 18 versus number 16. I'm going to go with Wisconsin to win, but I think Iowa will cover. Zach, what's your pick? Um, I think I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Um, to win, uh, and I think I'm gonna go with, uh, yeah, I, I'm agree with you, Charlie. I think I'm gonna go with Wisconsin win and Iowa to uh, cover though, because um, I, I haven't got to see much of Iowa either. Um, I know Wisconsin. Um, I know they started the year off really good, and then they've kind of struggled um, as of late. Obviously, getting blown out by Ohio State, but I mean they they did pretty good in the first half of Ohio State. They just kind of second half just imploded because they don't really have a passing game. Or um, and Jonathan Taylor is great, um, though, and they play really good defense. So. I'm going to go with Wisconsin uh, to beat Iowa. All right, Tyler? Yeah, Zach, I, I'm with you on this one, man. You, you mentioned the, the the Iowa offense. Like, I I haven't seen – you're kind of like you, I haven't seen a ton of Iowa. I've seen a, a game and a half. But I sat there in a bar in Knoxville and watched them play Michigan, and uh, that offensive performance made my eyes bleed. It was it was god-awful. Iowa's just not good on offense. They really are not. I know Michigan's have got a good defense, but they are very bad offensively. But these are two programs like they they both want to play football very much the same way. They want they want to run the football and hit some play action off of that. But Iowa, the problem for them, the really the past couple of years has been that they can't really run the ball like they want to. Nate Stanley, a quarterback for Iowa, he is the better quarterback compared to Jack Cohn for Wisconsin. But this is just a like I don't know. This is a tough one. I got, I think with, I want to go Wisconsin. But if you look at the numbers here and some of the key matchups, this is a pretty bad matchup for Wisconsin in some places. Like Wisconsin, we know what they want to do. They absolutely want to run, run the football, and that's just what they do. They're second in, in rushing offense in the Big Ten, and but only 11th in passing offense in the Big Ten. Uh, but the problem for them is Iowa just happens to be stellar defending the run. They're eighth nationally, giving them only 87.7 yards per game on the ground. They're actually – the Hawkeyes are statistically better than Ohio State against the run. And we saw how the Buckeyes completely stuffed Jonathan Taylor in that Wisconsin rushing game. So uh, if you look at that, like that's a bad matchup for Wisconsin. But on the flip side, like I said earlier, I just don't trust this Iowa offense to do anything, especially against a Wisconsin defense that is still, by the way, even after that Ohio State drubbing, they're still number one nationally in total defense. Um, and in Iowa, man, like against the three top 30 defenses they faced this year, their offense is averaging only 310 yards a game and 11 points per game. They just haven't been good against good defenses, and this is the best defense statistically in America. This one might end up being 3 nothing. It really might be. Uh, but the Wisconsin defense, I'll say they're built to stop this type of offense that Iowa has. And, and the Hawkeyes, like, they're not going to be able to out-athlete the Wisconsin defense like Ohio State did. It's in Camp Randall, so give me the Badgers to win. But that's a huge number. And I'm not sure either team will even score nine points. So I'll take the Hawkeyes to cover the nine and a half. And before we get to our next game, I do want to remind you guys that this show is brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. 
Last week was no doubt our best week of the year with our picks, going 28-2 straight up on the money line and 21-9, and 70% against the spread. I hope you guys took those picks to my bookie last week because if you did, you would have made a nice little chunk of change. But if not, no worries. We're giving you more winners this week. And if you join today, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with, no strings attached. All you have to do is use the promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay. The Big 12 has some great matchups this week, and our next game features one of the few remaining unbeaten teams as the Baylor Bears are making the short trip to Fort Worth to put their 8-0 record on the line against the 4-4 TCU Horned Frogs. But despite the disparity in the records of these two teams, Baylor is only favored by one and a half points on the road. I'm going to go with TCU to win this one. Zach, what's your pick? Um, I uh, I think it will be a close game. You know, um, Baylor's another one of those teams that me and we don't talk about a lot, but they've had a really good year. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with – Baylor to win uh, this game, um, and I think uh, um, I think it's gonna be a really close game. Um, but I, I I think um, I don't know. I think Baylor's gonna come out on top on this one. All right, Tyler. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. TCU, they've been a really disappointing team. I thought they would like typically in the past. Gary Patterson's team, like when they have a down year, they bounce back the next year with a, with a big year, a big response. And I was expecting that this year after a down year last year, but that hasn't really transpired for them. And the biggest issue issue for them is the quarterback position. Max Duggan, as a freshman, is only completing 57 percent of his passes, only 6.8 yards per attempt, and he might not even play in this game. And the other quarterback, Alex Delton, uh, is apparently in the transfer portal now. At least that's what the word is. So I don't know. Like if he doesn't play, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. And the 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 frogs normally have a very reliable defense that kind that they kind of hang their hat on. But that defense has failed them of late when they've given up 453 yards and 35 points a game over the last two weeks. Uh, and I've watched Baylor a couple times this year. And I'll, like, I will admit, Baylor is a good, well-coached team. Matt Rule, like, he's starting to get some notice around the country. Even some talk about him potentially being a, a target for some NFL teams. And I get why. You watch them play. This is a well-coached team. He's done a great job getting this program back uh, on some stable ground after that whole Art Bryles scandal, that disaster there. He, he's been really impressive. And they have a budding star at quarterback in Charlie Brewer. That guy is really good. But when you watch Baylor, and I've watched Baylor a fair amount this year. I watched him play Iowa State, watched him play Kansas State, watched him play a little bit of Oklahoma State. And I watched every second of the game last Thursday against West Virginia. And my my take on Baylor is this. They are a good team, but they are not an elite team. What they're doing right now is they're doing just enough to win games. Yeah, they're undefeated. they got to get credit for that. But they are not an elite team. Like I'll give you an example here. They're Total yards differential, they're plus 1,100 on the year, which is good. That's that's good. It's borderline very good, but it's not elite. TCU, on the other hand, they're plus 950. They're not that far off from, from Baylor. They just haven't had made the key plays when they needed to, whereas Baylor has. Um, you look at Baylor, what they've done the re- on the resume. They blew out Oklahoma State on the back of a few late turnovers. That was a very close game with about five minutes to go. Oklahoma State starts to turn the ball over a couple times, and they get some easy scores. Uh, so that game, it was already decided, but kind of just looked lopsided late, but it really wasn't. It was a lot closer than the final score would indicate. Uh, but if you look at the rest of the resume, 
Baylor beat Iowa State, Texas Tech, and West Virginia by a combined eight points. And those teams are combined five and ten in the Big 12. So I they're just I don't know. Like I was thoroughly unimpressed with that performance at home last Thursday against West Virginia. Like if, if the Mountaineers had a remotely competent offense, they would have knocked Baylor off, but they just don't have that right now. So yeah, Baylor's good. They're just not, I don't think they're elite. I just don't. I really, I really want to call the upset in Fort Worth, but I just don't trust Max Duggan enough at quarterback. So with Baylor having the better signal caller and Charlie Brewer, I'm going to go with the Bears to win a tight one. Uh, but I'm going to go with them to win and cover the one half, maybe win by a field goal or so. All right. Kansas State is carrying some momentum and a top 25 ranking into Austin, Texas this weekend. They took out Oklahoma two weeks ago and delivered a beatdown to in-state rival Kansas. The Horns themselves are not ranked, but are still favored by six and a hook at home. And I literally just changed my pick twice. What? Um, I, well, I had Texas, and then I changed my mind, and then I changed my mind back. So I'm going with Texas to win and cover. So that long story was, short, you're staying with your original pick. I am. Okay. But, I yes, I'm going to stay with it now because I wrote it down for the third time. Zach, Let us know if pick? you change your mind. What's your pick, Zach? <laughs> um, you know, I'm like you, Charlie. I'm torn because um, in one way, I mean, I think Kansas State clearly has momentum going into this game. Um, and I just at Texas, but I think Kansas State has momentum. And um, and they've been playing really well. Obviously, knocking off Oklahoma. I was so excited. I watched that game, and um, I was glad they pulled off that upset. But uh, but Texas, then again, I think they're playing for Tom Herman. If they lose this game, um, I think Tom Herman's going to be under more pressure and on the hot seat. But I think this could turn quick, you know, because um, this is Texas puts me back, you know, obviously after this in Sugar Bowl. But um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kansas State to win, um, but Texas to cover. All right, Tyler, what's your pick? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I'm with you guys. Like, I, I, I could, I see this one both ways. And there's two teams trending in different directions. Kansas State's won three straight, while Texas has lost two of the last three, and not really against great opponents. It's really been a struggle for them. Even the game they won against Kansas, they very much almost lost that game at home to, to Les Miles the Hat. Uh, but Texas is more explosive on offense. They, they are. They're, they're actually pretty explosive offen- offense, but they've been nightmarishly bad on defense this year, giving up 465 yards a game. But even though that's the case, the defense has not been good. They've been at least respectable against the run. They're fifth in the Big 12, which is okay, giving up 160 yards a game on the ground. It's their pass defense with all the injuries they've had in their back end that's been the issue. They are dead last in the Big 12 in pass defense. The problem for Kansas State in this matchup is that they aren't built to, to exploit that deficiency. Because while Texas might be dead last in pass defense in the, in the Big 12, Kansas State is dead last in passing offense. Kansas State wants to run the football and control the clock. Uh, Kansas State might be an overall b- better team right now. It might be playing better. But football is a game of matchups. And this is not really a great matchup necessarily for Kansas State, especially like Zach, you mentioned, it's in Austin, Texas. I think Sam Ellinger is the difference here. His true dual threat ability coming off the bye week will help Texas make enough plays to win this game. And the fact that this game is in Austin, that also leads me to give Texas the edge in this one. So I'm going to take the Horns to win. And the, uh, the cover, yeah, I'm going to say give me the Horns by a touchdown. So I'll take them to cover. All right. And the last Big 12 game on the slate this week is an interesting matchup between Iowa State and Oklahoma. The Cyclones upset Oklahoma and Norman two years ago, but this is a new year and a new team. This year, the Sooners are favored by 13 and a half at home in Memorial Stadium. I'm going with Oklahoma to win and cover. Zach, what's your pick? 
Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Charlie. I think I'm going to go with Oklahoma to win and cover. Um, I think Oklahoma uh, is going to come out um, firing, you know, after uh, the Kansas State loss. I think um, I think, uh, I think think Lincoln Riley is obviously an offensive genius. He's very smart, and I think they're going to make enough plays um, to cover that. Um, so I'm going with Oklahoma to beat um, Iowa State. And it is at Oklahoma, so I'm going to go with Oklahoma to beat Iowa State. All right, Tyler? Yeah, I think Oklahoma is the call in this one. Iowa State, that's a program that's gotten a lot better under Matt Campbell. He's a really good coach, and he's going to get a bigger job at some point unless he just wants to stay in a small uh, little provincial town, which he might be. I don't know, but he's a good coach. And uh, Brock Purdy is a quarterback for Iowa State who does not get near enough attention. That guy is really good. Next year as a junior, I think he's going to be a guy that everyone in the country knows about. But he's really good right now. I think that he can. he's good enough to give Oklahoma some issues. They're running the ball a little bit better right now. They were having some struggles with that, losing David Montgomery early in the year. But they've gotten better on the ground. Purdy's a dual-threat kind of guy. Um, he made some boneheaded mistakes against Baylor earlier in the year that kind of cost him that game. But he's a he's a good quarterback, and I think that like he they have a chance to beat Oklahoma. But Because they did it two years ago. They, they upset Norman two years ago in Matt Campbell's first year when no one saw that coming. But the thing is, no one's overlooking Iowa State. Oklahoma's not going to overlook Iowa State this year. They they know what happened in Norman two years ago. They're going to be ready to come off the bye week after the loss of Kansas State. You're right, Zach Lean Riley is an he is an offensive genius. I love watching them, them play. I don't like Oklahoma. I love watching them play offense because it's a thing of beauty. And I wish we would incorporate a lot of things that they do, but we for whatever reason don't think that's appropriate. Even though Oklahoma just leads the leads the nation total offense about every other year. Very close to that every year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I think Oklahoma's just a better team. I don't think they're going to overlook Iowa State. And I come off the Bible, and the Oklahoma is going to put their best foot forward here and win this game. I'm going to also take the Sooners to cover as well. Barely, I would say a late backdoor cover me win this game by two touchdowns. Okay. And finally, in the only game that really matters to all of us, our sixth ranked Georgia Bulldogs are playing host to the Missouri Tigers, who will be coming into Athens off a of bye week and are nursing a two game losing streak. The line opened at 14 and a half before settling in at 16 and a half as of right now. Mizzou is still mathematically alive in the SEC East race, so you have to think we are going to get their best shot on Saturday. Again, another team coming off a bye. Yep, yet another one. not fair. Five, five teams this year. Thank come you, scheduling yeah. committee. Anyways, I'm going to go with Georgia to win, but I do think Mizzou will cover. Zach, what's your pick? Yeah, this one, um, I'm definitely going with Georgia win, and um, I I think I, I think we're going to cover though. I think um, I think Kirby's going to have us ready. I know, um, and I think if you look back to last year after that, after the bye week, after we lost LSU, we really started to get going. I have faith that this the same thing is going to happen now. That Florida game is going to propel us. I know it could be a trap game, but I believe that Kirby has these guys' attention. I think we have the leadership and Jake Fromm and Andrew Thomas and guys just with. Then we're not going to overlook a game like this and Lawrence Cager. Um, and I, I think, so I, I think we're going to win this game, especially it being at home um, at night. If it was a twelve o'clock kickoff, I'd be a lot more worried. Um, but with it being at home a night game, although Missouri's coming off a of bye, I, I think we're going to cover. All right, Tyler. Yeah, Zach, I'm with you uh, most of the way here. Like we absolutely should win this football game. We are the more talented team with a better coaching staff. We're playing at home. We definitely should win this game, but. We said the same thing about South Carolina, and I don't want to remind you guys, but we know how that one turned out. Um, it, it's kind of, I guess, what concerns me. I kind of laid this out on the preview show. This game kind of sets up similar, similarly in certain ways. Missouri's coming off a bye, just like South Carolina was. 
They've lost their last two games. They're motivated to get back on track. They're playing a top six team. They have, they have no postseason chances anyway with their postseason ban. So they got nothing to lose in this game. Just like South Carolina coming into Athens had nothing to lose. Let it all hang out. Uh, Missouri's still mathematically in the race for the SEC East, even though they can't compete in the SEC title game. But it'll still be a nice prize for them, like kind of a consolation thing for them. And uh, this time, we're actually coming off a huge emotional winning against a major rival. Everyone out there singing our praises once again, telling us that we're in the driver's seat for the SEC East title yet again. It would be easy to overlook this game especially given that it's also sandwiched between the games against Florida and Auburn. It's a classic trap game situation. That's what concerns me. But, Zach, I'm with you, my man. I believe that Kirby Smart and the leadership on this team, I don't think – I believe in them. I don't think they're going to fail – let our team fail to show up again this season. We already we, – we, tradition of the last couple of years have that one game. We've already had our one game. And I think that was kind of a wake-up call. So I'm hopeful that Kirby and the leadership – We'll just make sure this team is ready to play and it's not going to be a no-show type situation. I'm also encouraged by the fact that this game is at night, which is different than South Carolina. I think the fact that we played Carolina at noon certainly factored into the, to the crowd effect in that game. But Missouri is good. Like, they are a good football team. They're better than South Carolina. They definitely are. They've been very good on defense all year. I, I threw some of these numbers out in the preview show. Uh, after giving up 297 yards on the ground to Wyoming in week one, they then went four straight games, giving them only 38 yards rushing game, only 1.2 yards per rush. But then they're all everything middle linebacker. Kale Garrett goes down with a torn pectoral injury. Um, and so through five weeks, they were number one in the SEC in rushing defense. But since that Kale Garrett injury, they've given up 651 yards rushing over the last three games against Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. Uh, and then you look at the matchup, we're second in the SEC in rushing offense, averaging 222 yards a game on the ground in first in yards per rush. So that's a matchup that certainly favors us in this game. Now, Missouri is great against the pass statistically, but they haven't played many teams that throw the ball all that well. And another area I think really favors us is that, yeah, they've been good defending the pass, but they haven't been that disruptive. They're only 70th nationally in sack rate, and they're tied for 12th in the SEC in total sacks. And regardless of their numbers against the pass, when you allow Jake Fromm to operate from a clean pocket, he will carve you up. We've seen that. We saw it last week. Um, it looks like Kelly Bryant will play in this game. At least it sounds like he will at this point. But he's been dealing with a nagging hamstring injury, which could affect his dual threat ability, which is, let's be honest, that's what makes him tough to handle in the first place. It'll be a different challenge for this defense. We're going to have to play discipline. But I, I still think that this is a, an offense that we should be able to at least hold enough in check. Albert Owen, Johnson, Jonathan Johnson, the slot, they do concern me. Uh, you know we've had some issues defending uh, – the offense is coming out of that slot position, whether it's tight ends or slot receivers like Jonathan Johnson. Those guys have given us some issues over the, over the past couple of weeks. But I come back to their struggles against the run since that Kale Garrett injury. You never know how they're going to respond after the bye, but I think the fact they've had issues against the run the past couple of weeks, I think that does bode well for us. We're going to have to hit some plays in the passing game to loosen things up for the run. But again, if we can keep Jake clean, which I feel like we have a pretty good chance to do in this game, I feel like we can hit enough plays in the passing game to find a way to win this one. I think our team's going to feed off the energy of the crowd. I think we're going to be ready to play. I definitely agree with Zach on that. i like us to win this game. And I can certainly see a scenario where we cover. If we play our A game, we will cover this game. But 16 and a half is a lot of points to lay against a good Missouri team who does have some situational factors in their favor in this game. So I want us to cover, obviously, and it pains me to ever be against us, even against the spread. But uh, I'm taking us to win. I'm going to take Missouri to cover the 16 and a half. All right. That's Hope I'm it. wrong. Yeah, that's it. Zach, my man, what an awesome job. We really, really appreciate you joining us today, my friend. 
Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. It's always uh, it's a pleasure. I, I really enjoy the show. Thank you. Oh, it's, the pleasure is all ours, my man. Uh, but all right, so that's it for, for Charlie, for Zach. I'm Tyler. Hopefully our guys are ready to play this week. I feel pretty good about it. We'll see. Hopefully they learned their lesson from South Carolina a couple weeks ago. But uh, we'll all see how it plays out. We'll be back to talk about it next week. And as always, go dogs.